Blog Talk Radio. Well, God knows where. We don't know. But we're going to discuss it in greater detail with Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, and our official NFL contributor. There's not two L's in NFL. Just when you got to clear your throat, there ends up being two L's. Uh, (laughs) So we're going to break that down. You know, my working theory and my working thought is that they're going to do it like they do the draft, and they're just going to move it around from location to location. Um, But, you know, we might have something leave in Indianapolis, but we're having something come back to Indianapolis. Of course, we're based here in Indianapolis. We're a national show, but uh, we're based here in Indianapolis, so we try to touch on some of the local stuff as it happens, but uh, that affects uh, on the local level anyway. Uh, But Rick Carlisle, uh, a longtime Pacer coach, has uh, decided to come back, or they decided to bring him back. I don't know. Uh, but uh, anyway, he's, he's now an official boomerang. And he's been in a couple of places, but most recently with the Dallas Mavericks. And so he'll be back uh, at the, the helm with the, with the Indiana Pacers. And we'll see what's going on. We need to get back to the playoffs. I mean, it's time for uh, the Pacers to stop being on the outside looking in. And, you know, we, we have, certainly have had the caliber to, to do that. No Paul George included. <laughs> you know, I was having this discussion yesterday. You know, I, I don't miss Paul George at all. I mean, you know, was he good? Yeah. But, you know, he turned into a diva. Maybe maybe that was warranted. I don't know. But that's just my opinion, and I'm just one man of many. But I am the biggest voice on this show because I am the host. I am L. Presidente. Awesome. <laughs> uh, awesome. Matthew Hicks joined us, a longtime friend of the show, been around the radio for many, many years. Uh, Going to talk with us about the return of Rick Carlisle and, uh, you know, some IndyCar news, what's going on with IndyCar, and talk about some stuff going on. We got some news breaking down of IndyCar as well. And um, 
certainly IndyCar returns next week, so we'll get into a deeper conversation next week about IndyCar. But we're also going to be talking with Tony Donahue of the Tony D Podcast. It's going to help us break down uh, a lot of what's going on in the NBA playoffs and also <clears throat> the return of Rick Carlisle. It's going to be kind of a, a topic in our first segment of the show. So that's kind of how it's broken down to. Thank you for listening. If you're listening to us on the podcast, make sure that that you uh, hit subscribe, like, favorite, so we know how awesome you are. And, of course, we already know how awesome we are, but then we'll know how awesome you think that we are. See, it's just the whole soup of awesomeness. My name is Tom Mark with Cal Presidente. I'll be back on the other side. Let's get things rolling. component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike... You know, dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? 
morning face you get is when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got mace. It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA. Love your home. Oh, hi. Uh, hey. I've seen on the board, do you guys have Black Rifle Coffee here? No, I'm sorry. We only carry good small batch coffee here. Well, it is great small batch coffee. Well, that really can't be unless it's fresh roasted. So, um, you know. Well, it is fresh roasted. I don't, I don't think you know what that means. You know what this is? This is Masa Lekwa Pique, which, of course, in the Indonesian language, oh, let me finish. In the Indonesian language, it's weasel coffee. You just made that up. No, it's been passed through their digestive tract. That's disgusting. And then it's nature's wet processing. Yeah, but is it good? I mean, it's all right. Are they investor philanthropists? Do they support good causes? Yeah, tons of causes. Veterans causes and first responder causes, but it doesn't matter because they make good coffee. So that's what I'm wondering. Do you have any? You know what? Actually, I'm, I'm just going to order it. They make it fresh and roasted. Okay. Black Rifle Coffee. It's good. Presidente 917-889-8516. Coming up here in just a few minutes, we're going to have Matthew Hicks, a longtime friend of the show, join us as well as Tony Donahue of the Tony D Podcast. We'll be breaking down what's going on with the latest in the NBA Finals. Also, the return of Rick Carlisle to uh, the Pacers. Make sure you're following us on social media at on Twitter at T Balance on Facebook. Just search the balance. And wherever you get your podcast at, you can you can catch us, download us, hit subscribe. But most importantly, if you're listening to us now, you're listening to us live. And so we kind of talked through the world of sports this week. And while we're waiting for Matt and Tony uh, to join us, what we do know now in the NHL, uh, the, the Stanley Cup uh, finals or in place. So the Montreal Canadiens clinched a spot in the Stanley Cup final for the first time since 1993. Uh, the Habs will take on Tampa Bay Lightning, who will beat who beat the New York Islanders in Game Seven um, and, and 1-0. The Lightning will defend their title and will be playing for their third championship in franchise history. Game one set to uh, puck down. At, on June 28th, that's Monday at 8 o'clock. Game two, it will be at Wednesday at 8 o'clock, both of those at Lightning. So we know that the Stanley Cup <clears throat> finals are set and are in place. We've talked a lot about 
uh, hockey on here, not for any, no particular reason. I like hockey. We've got uh, a hockey team here in Indianapolis that's uh, called the Fuel. And, uh, uh, they are a, you know, like a triple-A team for the uh, Chicago Blackhawks. Got a lot of Blackhawks fans here in Indianapolis. But a uh, uh, lot going on. <clears throat> hey, did you see this on social media uh, where – Ooh, how do you say this guy's name? Giannis Antetokounmpo. <laughs> he gives his sneakers to a little girl crying in, in the stands there, but for good reasons. He joined an elite company with a huge Game Two performance. The Milwaukee Bucks won Game Two over the Atlanta Hawks, 125 to 91. The beer led by as many as 41 in the contest. In a contest, Atlanta was really never in. And, you know, we, we, we've been talking a lot about, you know, the NBA playoffs, and we're going to get into that and more here in, in just a few moments. But uh, but we, we talk a lot about the West, but we don't talk about the East so much. And, you know, I think we, we, we talked about that, that the Bucks may not be there, but it looks like they're going to be there. And, you know, thanks to the domination of Anna Tocopo, I'm going to help. I'm going to put Tony on the spot here in a few minutes. He's going to help us learn how to say that name. Has done something only Shaquille O'Neal has done in over a, in over 25 postseason, and that's an incredible stat. Uh, and I went and saw the tweet by uh, ESPN Stats, but they, they they put that out, and he says the second player scored 50 points in the paint in the first two games of a series over the last 25 postseasons, joining Shaquille O'Neal. Shaq did this. Six times. Well, there you have it. Now you're a better person. We like to call him the Greek freak, right? Because nobody can say his name. So he's earned the nickname. And he lived up to the nickname. And he was sensational both on the floor in all. He had 25 points, nine rebounds, six assists, 11 out of 18 from the field goal and range, and three out of four from the charity stripe. So there you have it. Freak, Greek freak lives up to uh, his name. My name is Thomas El Presidente. Thank you so much for joining us. This is The Balance. We do this thing called The Balance every Saturday morning. We're going to be joined by Matthew Hitz and uh, uh, Tony Donahue from the Tony D Podcast. We're going to be uh, talking a, l- a little bit about uh, some coaching changes happening in the NBA. And one of those big uh, changes is the return of Rick Car- Carlisle to the Pacers, uh, certainly with the Pacer organization for some very memorable years. Uh, they parted ways that he went to a couple other places, but most recently was in Dallas. So we're going to be talking about that. But another uh, big hire ha- happening out in the West, at least reportedly, uh, the Trailblazers were, are reportedly going to hire Chauncey uh, Billups as the, the head coach there. Uh, certainly, um, you know, he was the uh, assistant coach for the Clippers. Uh, Chauncey Billups is going to be the next head coach of the Portland Trailblazers, according to Sham Sharia of the Atlantic. ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski adds to, to the sides or progress adds to the system progressing in the negotiations and expected to come to an official agreement over the weekend. So there you have it. Trailblazers were reportedly hiring Clippers assistant coach Chauncey Billups as head coach. Certainly, uh, we'll, we'll see how that how that pans out, and we'll see what happens with the Trailblazers because uh, they've been having that uh, championship hangover for a while, if you will. 
well, not for a while, but for a few years anyway. <clears throat> so as we get closer to the NFL season, and we're going to be talking here in the uh, second segment with Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, we, we think about, we still have on the front of our mind, we still have COVID on the front of our mind. It's, it's not over with. We get it. You know, I'm vaccinated. Uh, I, I got the double B. My too old to say that. But, you know, uh, really, the, a lot of players have decided that they weren't going to do it or they did. And so there's going to be some situations within the locker room that there might become a requirement at the mo- moment. It is not. But I, Viking, we'll talk with Dave Kratz a little bit about this as well. But uh, Vikings star uh, uh, quarterback Patrick Peterson encourages players uh, to get a COVID-19 vaccine, the COVID-19 vaccine shots. Earlier this month, the Minnesota Vikings coach Mike Zimmer told reporters that players who remain unvaccinated against the COVID-19 are going to have a harder time in the season because they will have to follow stricter health and safety protocols than those who got the jab. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, I would encourage everybody to go get vaccinated, not just if you're in the NFL. And I, I get that there's some dark shadows and rumors and uh, tinfoil hats and conspiracy theories in the third arm and, and all of that growing. I, I Believe me, I subscribe to some uh, uh, conspiracy theories in my own right. But, I mean, I, I think it's just a smart move uh, to, to go get a stick in the arm. It's, uh, it's not going to be the end of the world. Might not be the end of the world as we, as we know it. <laughs> And we've come a long way over the last year, but let's just think about it, um, you know, where we've come from. And, and I just, I I still, you know, I like to follow silence, but I also like to follow common sense. So go get the vaccinated. You know, we were talking about the Blackhawks a little bit earlier, talking about the Stanley Cup. But, uh, you know, I meant to mention this earlier, the ex-Blackhawks player on sexual abuse allegations in the front office actually should be in jail as Details surrounding the sexual abuse allegations are against former Chicago uh, video coach Brad Ulrich continue to emerge. Um, former Blackhawks players are starting to speak out. Ulrich is facing allegations of sexually assaulting and har- harassing two unnamed former players on the Chicago Blackhawks 2009-2010, a story published by The Athletic a former player of the 2010 uh, Blackhawks Stanley Cup winning team indicated that every player found out about the allegations against Aldridge during the Western Conference Finals of the playoffs of that year against the San Jose Sharks. Um, so we'll, we'll see. Does he need to be in jail? I mean, that's a conversation that, that's probably being need to have. And uh, we'll, we'll see if that actually comes together. Also on tap, we're going to be talking uh, with Ed Kratz. Urban Meyer, not ready to name Trevor Lawrence, says the Jaguars starting uh, QB. My name is Tom Marquis, El Presidente. We'll be right back right here on the Balance Radio Network. And we're going to get things kicked off with Matt Hicks and Tony Donahue. Quick stop, midnight, deep top, jack and a cherry coke pan. 
The Air National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. I can't believe it. I've been playing 4 on 4 with a barbershop quartet. Nah, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Yeah. Believe it. Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Morning face. You get it when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got mace. Ow, they're one of my eyes. Quit moving. It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA. Love your home. Oh, hi. Uh, I've seen on the board, do you guys have Black Rifle coffee here? <laughs> no, I'm sorry. We only carry good small batch coffee here. Well, it is great small batch coffee. Well, that really can't be unless it's... Fresh roasted, so I don't, you know. Well, it is fresh roasted. I don't, I don't think you know what that means. You know what this is? This is masa lequa pique, which of course in the Indonesian language, oh, let me finish. In the Indonesian language, it's weasel coffee. You just made that up. No, it's been passed through their digestive tract. That's disgusting. And then it's nature's wet processing. Yeah, but is it good? I mean, it's all right. Are they? Investor philanthropists, do they support good causes? Yeah, tons of causes. Veterans causes and first responder causes, but it doesn't matter because they make good coffee. So that's what I'm wondering. Do you have any? You know what? Actually, I'm, I'm just going to order it. They make it fresh and roasted. Okay. Right. Black Rifle Coffee. It's good. Right now, I just need you to get real loose. Get comfortable. Grab your loved ones or grab your love partner. And if you're by yourself, no worries. Just follow after me. Yeah. Gonna do the two-step and cowboy book. All right, welcome back to The Balance. We're ready to kick things off here. I hope you got your Black Rifle Coffee. It'll definitely help you get going with that Get Up Challenge. Matthew Hicks joins us. Matthew, did you ever do the Get Up Challenge? When it was a thing. Hello, Matt. Can you hear me? 
Hello, Matt. Oh, um, I can hear you now, sir. Can, can you hear us? Can you hear me? I, I hear can. Good, good. All right. Okay. Now, now, now we're cooking in peanut oil. So, did you ever do the get up challenge when it was a thing? I don't know the get up challenge. I'm not familiar with that. Oh, uh, you don't know that? You know, that's where they do like the lasso and the do si do and the two foot and. You'll have to watch it on social media. (laughs) (laughs) Well, have you ever had Black Rifle Coffee? No, I haven't, but it sounds wonderful. I'm I'm a fan of coffee, so I need to try it. Oh, I tell you what, Black Rifle Coffee, and I don't just say this because they're a partner with us here on the show. Uh, Well, actually, I do. No, actually, (laughs) I drink it every day. Black Black Rifle Coffee, it's, it's really cool because when you buy a bag, you give a bag. It's like when you buy a bag, they give a bag to the troops and my my friend's son is deployed in the Navy, and that's all they serve on the ship is Black Rifle Coffee, and they got everything oh, cool. that you can imagine. I got my son a Father's Day present uh, for uh, uh, Father's Day from Black Rifle Coffee, a, a hat and, and a coffee bag. So it's all good stuff there. Check it out. Well, we got some stuff uh, to talk about, Matt, and we're supposed to be joined by Tony Donahue, Tony D Podcast. Uh, hopefully he can join us. Uh, but we got some uh, stuff to talk about. Let's, uh, t- have, we haven't had a chance to actually talk since the 500, or did we talk? I knew we talked before the 500, but have we talked we talked after before. the 500? I don't think we talked after it, yeah. Wait, I, I'm sorry, man, I didn't hear you. We, we, talked, uh, we talked before the 500, but not after. Okay. My lawn guy is here, so as you can uh, imagine, we're going to be dealing with this. Uh, the beauties of working from home. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, go, go ahead. Uh, Matt, what were your thoughts about the Indy 500 this year? Uh, I guess there was over 115,000 people in, play, in, in there. I was there. It was exciting. Uh, how exciting was it to see the fourth win for Elio Castanevitz? Well, it's, you know, it's just so amazing. Uh, because you you get to a point where you think, well, I guess maybe we won't see another four-time winner. Not to say that after we saw the, the week and a half or two weeks of practice that we didn't dismiss Elio, but he was certainly a long shot. Um, it's tough to win in a one-off situation. Dan Weldon had done it once. Um, and others have, of course. But it's a tough, it's a tough endeavor to do. So... Um, I don't want to say I dismissed Elio, but I, I didn't think it was a real shot. I mean, I thought a top three was a real possibility. So what a great, uh, what a great thing it was for the Speedway. I mean, in, in, in IndyCar, it's a wonderful, wonderful moment uh, to be able to see that and the joy uh, that he felt uh, being a four-time champion. Oh, I know, I, and absolutely, what a what a huge win it was for him. And and, and you know, here's the thing. What I thought was uh, kind of no, another different storyline here is that he didn't win it with Penske, and it was his first year without being yeah. with Penske. They decided to go separate ways. It, it was his first year with a new team, and he wins an Indianapolis uh, uh, 500. Uh, so, uh, yeah, again, what, my what a great long, thing, though, and, and, and forgive my interruption, but you know the Meyer right Shank ahead. thing, and I don't know if you've ever met mm-hmm. Jim. I, I've never met Jim Meyer. I, I just know of him because he's a radio executive and very involved, uh-huh. was very involved with Sirius XM, retired. But what was really cool 
I think it was the next Monday, because Monday was Memorial Day, obviously. The next Monday, if you listen to Howard Stern, Howard Stern spent a half hour talking about Elio Castroneves winning the 500. I can nearly guarantee you he would not have done that for any of the other 32 winners. No, I so the absolutely agree. Was, yeah, the coincidence was amazing. And you have Howard talking to however many, 30 million people, however many millions of people listen to him. And most of that is not a cross-section of IndyCar fans. I'm sure there's a few. But uh, what, a great, what a great little coincidence that was. Oh, yeah. It was very, very neat coincidence. But I do apologize. Uh, you know, when you do everything from home these days to 2020, 21, whatever year we're in, I lost a year or so. <laughs> Oh man, I got I got three big old hounds, and they they feel like they have to to guard the house uh, uh, against that wicked nasty lawnmower guy. <laughs> oh yeah, I understand. You know, they they got a they got a big mission going on. So uh, no matter how much you try to close the blinds or close the doors, they can they can still hear. You know, one of the other things I wanted to talk about, and we're still waiting on Tony Donovan. I'm not sure exactly uh, if he's gotten caught up. Uh, doing something, uh, but we we talk about what we've learned about today. So let's talk about uh, Rick Carlisle coming back to the Pacers. Let's yeah. talk about his career as as a Pacer before, and then we'll talk about his post Pacer career, and then we'll talk about what brought him back to the to the Pacers. So let's start with this. Let's talk about his his history with the Pacers. What are some of the most memorable uh, times and, and moments you think about Rick Carlisle and the Pacers? Uh, certainly <laughs> during a lot of memorable years. <laughs> Well, it, it was, and I, and I was, I was been thinking about Rick a lot this week. I, I was not the permanent producer of the Rick Carlisle show, so like you know, <laughs> young people don't know, but coaches in Indianapolis used to have weekly radio shows. Oh yeah. Um, T- Tony Dungy did. Uh, Jim Caldwell uh-huh. did. Uh, uh, Isaiah sorta did. Um, he did his more like they're done now, actually, with more interviews and other things. <laughs> But Rick had a, had a weekly show, and, and so did Jim O'Brien. Um, uh, Frank, I think, was the first one that at some point it started to shift to, you know, Pacers Weekly. and that's what, But anyway, I, I produced the Rick Carlisle show, I don't know, probably 20 times, maybe. Maybe not that many. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, uh, uh, Jeff Burkett was the main Pacer producer, but I would spell him at times. Um so anyway, I have some great memories of Rick and, and just a very uh, approachable, uh, down-to-earth person. I would occasionally do a little locker room work for, for Kevin Lee, who um, worked for the Pacers Radio Network at the time, uh, just kind of helping him out with extra sound and that sort of thing. But Rick was very approachable, um, very nice, generous to young, um, ignorant radio producers. Uh, so the best memory is, is, is completely unrelated to basketball. I'm, I'm producing the Rick Carlisle show and uh, Mark Boyle and myself and Rick are in studio and we're in the, the main floor studio, which I think got converted to a t- television studio at some point at, at then WIBC. I mean, this is even before the fan. And, uh, they say, hey, uh, bring a piano. Was that was that back when it was up on North Meridian Street across from WZPL? No, it was, it was on the circle, but there was a, okay. a, a, a floor-level studio that people could walk by with a fishbowl, you know, type of thing. And uh, So at my age, I worked for WZPL. I worked for yeah, WZPL and WIBC was across the street. <laughs> across the street, yeah, right, right, right. 
so yeah, so th- there was this um, this this memo email. Hey, can we find a piano? And uh, somebody found a piano. And I'm thinking, well, Rick has a piano in his at home studio, and he would play a little bit. Awesome. So I thought maybe he's wanting to play for some reason. I couldn't figure out. So I get there, and they say, hey, um, Rick's friend Bruce Hornsby is going to be joining us tonight. Oh, very cool. <laughs> I try to keep my, you know, I try to play it cool and. And it was great. I mean, he, you know, of course, he sits down and goes right in, do, 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 you know, right into it, you know. Uh, it was great, and uh, he was very friendly. Three quarters through to the show, I hear this bang on the glass behind me, and I turn around and I go, um, Scott Rowland's here. <laughs> so I guess there was a, there was like some charity event going on. I think for Rowland, and and they were all involved with it anyway. After cool. the show, we sat and talked for an hour with Scott Rowland, Rick Carlisle, Bruce Hornsby, and Mark Boyle. Nice. And I was just a fly on the wall, and it was fantastic. It was just an awesome, what an awesome memory. Yeah, awesome. Well, I tell you what, the Pacers are bringing back Rick Carlisle to be the team's head coach after like 14 it. years of being a part, uh, who's, who basically stepped away from the, his coaching position with, uh, with the Dallas Mavericks on June 17th. and. Uh, he was the Pacers head coach from 2003 to 2007. We know him very well as an assistant coach to uh, Larry Bird, uh, who uh, Carlisle originally joined the organization back in 1997, again under Larry Bird, and left in 2000 for his first coaching job with the Detroit uh, Pistons. Uh, and then after two years uh, with the Pistons, Carlisle returned to the Pacers as the team's head coach after Isaiah Thomas was fired and Bird was brought back as the president of basketball operations. So a lot happened in that time frame. Uh, but certainly one of the things that Rick Carlisle has been able to do that a lot of other coaches have not been able to do with the Pacers, and that is to get us to a Central Division title in the NBA's best uh, regular season record at 61-21. and 21. What, what is it about the Pacers and Rick Carlisle that they've got this on and off relationship. Well, I think you you see this occasionally, not very often, obviously. Usually, when you move on, it doesn't, it doesn't come back around. But you see the occasion, especially you see it in the NBA, where after three or four years, you know, it's easier to say, change the coach than it is the entire team and remain competitive. The Pacers have a philosophy; they're not going to completely blow it up. They like to rebuild on the fly. I think they have kind of an amazing talent or at least luck with that. And they've been able to do it. And it's easier to change the coach and change your playing style than it is to completely gut the team and, and start over. So I, I think it's a, it's a coincidence that the best coach available happened to be a guy that coached here before. And then, and then of course, you get into what he does as a coach. Runs a great locker room. I mean, I know we're reading some things about Dallas, but I think that's a little different. I don't think it's anything to do with on-the-court stuff. I think that's all kind of just egos and the modern NBA, which, you know, everybody has to adjust to for sure. But I think the amazing thing about when you think about Carlisle is he's won so many different ways with so many different kinds of players. He's, he's, I think he gets uh, not enough credit for being as adaptable as he is. He obviously saw a roster here that he thinks he can win with, and uh, I think I think I don't know that the sky's the limit, but I think it's very reasonable to think this is a top four team. I know it sounds kind of crazy right now, 
but this might just be a top four team in the East next year if they can stay healthy. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's been a lot of look in, in the West uh, going on, as certainly uh, uh, with uh, with the Phoenix Suns, just totally on fire. No, no pun intended. Uh, so uh, there's not a lot of looking in the East, and we'll talk about that maybe here in just a minute. But let's talk about some of the things that Rick Carlisle has to address in the Pacers 2021 situation that maybe he didn't have to deal with before. One of those things is the Pacers and the Mavericks both both have been terrible in the NBA playoffs. Rick Carlisle does not need to prove himself as the head coach, obviously, in the NBA because he is an NBA champion head coach who has had his team in the playoffs nine out of the last 13 years. However, since 2011, their NBA championship, the Mavericks have not won a playoff series. And one of the big knocks on the former Pacers head coach, well, until this season, was winning in the playoffs. So, and that he had never won a playoff series in four years with the Pacers. Uh, so, Carlisle will get a, a veteran team uh, to his in his second uh, round of the NBA in the NBA playoffs. Um, so, that's one of the things he's got to fix the playoff situation. And let's face it, that's one of the things that the front office is looking at. And I don't know if the playoffs scenario had anything to do with him having a one and done. Uh, coach, but uh, certainly it was a learning experience. It's time to move on. But one of the things that has to be looked at is how is Rick Carlisle going to get the Indiana Pacers to the playoffs? Well, I think there's a there's a very easy path for a Rick Carlisle-led team to the playoffs. Uh, it might involve – I heard Mark Montee say this yesterday, and it's funny, I had the same thought. It might involve T.J. McConnell not only being retained, but maybe being the starting point guard. Or – I mean, obviously, we all hear the, well, is Ben Simmons available and what could he be available for? I think that's interesting, um, certainly. But I think that it's clear that this team needs a point guard and a, and a, and a traditional point guard. And that's what they've not had. Uh, they've tried to do this thing for actually now a long time where they've not had a true point guard. They've had another kind of combo guard run the point. And I, I think they need a facilitator, someone that's going to force them to get in the offense. Uh, and, I, and I think it's possible that that can be McConnell. Um, but it might be someone that's not on the roster right now, too. I, I, think, I think it's that simple. I'm not even sure that you have to deal Turner or Sabotis. I think with the Carlisle offense, they very well may be able to play together, which some people think can't happen after the last two seasons. I'm still not sure it can't. Um, but if they're the right values there, namely a starting point guard for one of those two guys, you can see one of them go. But I, I think Carlisle, with his, with his um, <laughs> control, if you will, uh, he runs a tight ship. And I think if he can get those players to buy into that, they're going to win a lot of games. And I don't know if they're going to they're win 60 games, but they're going to win you know, upper 40s, lower 50s, and that's more than good enough to make the playoffs. And you got to definitely lean in on our point guards. I mean, here's the thing. If you look across the league, some of the most successful players right now are the, in the point guard situation. Uh, so I think the Pacers got to look at playing better team basketball. Over the last three years, the back, back, <laughs> excuse me, the Dallas Mavericks had all-star Luka Donka, uh, Donka Donk, uh, <laughs> running the show on the floor, especially with the previous two years, and deservedly so. However, the Pacers do not have – have a talent like uh, Donick, uh, they instead have a collective group of really good players without a one great player. 
but uh, the Pacers need to play better team basketball. I think they've not been doing that well for a while, even going back to the Paul George days. And, you know, have they – I mean, I think they should, maybe that's when they stopped playing team basketball. What are your thoughts on that? Or is that just something I'm reading into the tea leaves with the Pacers? Um, no, I mean, I think, I think that starts on the defensive end. Um, you know, the, the, the philosophy that McMillan had defensively um, was, was uh, I mean, he would, he would encourage help, but he wouldn't, like, really, like, like, remember, like, his deal was we don't do the help thing. We just play one-on-one defense, and then we might play in the occasional zone. And then Nunate was kind of, like, didn't believe in defense, which is a whole crazy aspect in itself. Um, and if he had the, if he had a different talent, that would have been fine. But he was not coaching to the talent he had. So I don't know that they're not together. I think they are together as a team. I just think they need a, a philosophy and a strategy that fits their components. And I think that yeah. exists. We saw it. I mean, with with Nate McMillan, yes, they weren't winning in the playoffs. It also just so happens that they didn't have they didn't have the better team each time. I mean, when they played Miami last year in the bubble, uh, Sabonis was hurt for most of the series. I think he came back and played one game. Um, you know, people were starting to wear out from the bubble. I mean, let's, 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 let's be a little fair here. And, by the way, that team went to the NBA Finals, which they lost to. The year before, um, I can't remember who it was the year before, another good team. It's not like they've lost to teams that were just like, oh, my God, how'd they lose to the Knicks? They would have beaten the Knicks this year if that was their matchup. I don't know if they would have upset the 76ers. That's a, that was a great job by Nate McMillan and their team. But my point is this. I think if you coach to their strengths, they're a very capable team. Are they a championship contender? No, they're not a champion. But they are a definite, you know, Eastern Conference semifinalist and, and with the right matchup and luck, Eastern Conference finalist team. I mean, they're, they're not that far away. Now, to be a contender is a whole other story because, like you said, you need a Luka Doncic. You need a Durant, Harden, Irving. You need at least one of those kind of guys. They don't have one of those kind of guys, but they've got a lot of really good players that, that they can win a lot of games with. Well, and that's certainly going to be a, a huge task for Rick Carlisle when he comes back to the Pacers yeah. uh, next year. It, it, the Pacers have a lot of players who, who deserve to want the ball. I get it. But which that – process is going to need to be managed and so uh, everybody's going to have to learn to work together uh, as they say teamwork makes the dream work uh, and the other thing is one of the other things I think is that Rick Carlisle needs to look at is the defense the Pacers have been terrible at defense let's call a spade a spade uh, Carlisle had the Dallas Mavericks as the eight best team points per game on defense this season, but the season before 2019-2020, they were 19th. Uh, he will need to make sure the Pacers are playing a lot like this year's Mavericks team on defense and not put the team from the season before because the Pacers ranked in a, in a pit bull of uh, the 26 points per game. I know we keep making that Maverick-Pacer comparison, but that was where uh, Rick Carl was before. Like I said, he was somewhat moderately successful with the Mavericks. So we've got to figure a way to transition that over here to Indiana Pacers. Well, I think I'll make a prediction that they're, they're going to be a top ten defensive team. And if, they, and if they sneak into the top five, we're going to be talking a year from now saying, oh, my gosh, could you believe the Pacers run? Cause, because he will bring that. I – heard some speculation yesterday and i i believe this i i think there's a chance that dan burke comes back um and that's a huge addition for the pacers 
Um, but, but regardless, they will have, you know, Rick learned from Larry Bird and, and about the, the um, relegation of duties. And I think they will have a coach that's in charge of defense. They will have a coach in charge of offense. That might be Rick Carlisle. He might be in charge of the offense. Mm-hmm. But they will have people in charge of these things, and they will have managers. They will have people that manage the egos. You know, when Rick was here last time, he had Mike Brown. Mike Brown was uh, a, a massive part of that coaching staff, as was Denver. Um, but, but just to have those people in the roles that they were given – that is most of the talent of the head coach. And we saw that Nate Bjorkman didn't possess that right now. I, I think he failed so spectacularly. I think I'll be surprised if he gets another opportunity, at least anytime soon. But when he does, he's going to be a lot more successful because he understands now what he did wrong. Absolutely. Well, one of the things that we've got to look at here, I know we've got to hear for a few more minutes, is the draft. And I don't know how much you mm-hmm. dug into the NBA draft. We know the Boston Celtics have the number one pick. That's about as much as I know about the NBA draft. But I do know uh, for, for a fact that we've got to look at play, uh, players that benefit the team uh, more than just the overall, we just you know, think about recently in March, you know, you think about Corey Kispert with, with Gonzaga. I'm a big fan of him, obviously, he and what he can bring offensively to the floor. But when you look at – I bring him up because he's certainly going to be one of the top players that teams are looking at to draft. But I just think that it's overall, he'll be great being able to score off the bench. He's a great shooter. But when you look at his entire draft profile – it kind of makes me worry about the fit with the Pacers. So I kind of think the Pacers yeah. need to be careful about, oh, well, hey, look at how awesome he can shoot or look at how awesome he can do off the bench. But does he really do the team overall any good, as good of a player as he might be? Yeah, you're going to hear a lot about Kinzer a lot. He's going to be the popular pick because it looks like he'll be available at 13. Uh, but I think the Pacers' philosophy at 13 is this. See who falls. If you're in love with them, take them. If you're not, I, I would I would not be surprised to see them package the pick with someone, I don't know who, and 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 try to improve the team via draft night trade. I, I really I really expect that. I, I I really think that that will happen unless someone falls that they said no no this guy was a top ten or top five pick in our opinion, you know uh, which has happened to them before. Danny Granger, if you remember, fell to what seventeen. He looked like he was an easy lottery pick, if not a top ten pick. Um, Paul George was the same way. They didn't think Paul George was going to be available. Um, so at ten. So uh, you know, I think um, I, I'm not going to get too caught up in the draft stuff because I, I I tend to do the same thing. I fall in love with the player, and then I then I fall out of love with the player, and then they draft somebody completely off the radar. I think the only <laughs> thing you can do to prepare for this draft is you're a Pacer fan. Don't look at any center's profiles. They will not. I love players. it. You read my mind. You read my mind. And so let's not That's talk about, about Isaiah Jackson coming to the Pacers. No, no need. No need. <laughs> I mean, to put it in simple terms, the Pacers would not uh, draft, uh, should not draft a center in the first round. But you, you read my mind. Correct. The, the hiring of Rick Carl, Carlisle, I'm sorry, as a head coach signifies that the two big lineups will be coming 
to an end in the near future. And with three centers already on board, adding another with a high pick would be a travesty. So stay the heck away from Isaiah Jackson. <laughs> I know the temptation is yeah, there. I, I, I know the cheese is in the trap there, but let's let's uh, let's not get all crazy on it. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So real quickly here, uh, while we got Matt Hicks, long time friend of the show, certainly been around Indiana radio for a long, long time. And so one of the things you know very well, and that is the combine. The NFL combine, obviously, is yeah. a, well, it's it's somewhat open to the fans here recently, but for the most part, it's what I call I like to call it the underwear Olympics. It doesn't really signify a lot for the fans, other than you know, uh, getting a chance to see some uh, future potential drafts where they might land at. But it's always been here in Indianapolis because it's centrally located. And it's been, it's you know, even, it, even when it happens in the cold winter, people like it here because they never really have to go outside. They're now shopping to move it around the year after next. I have been under, and we're going to get into this in the next segment in more detail, but I'm under the theory uh, that they're going to treat it like the draft and they're going to move it around. But it's yeah. been long speculated uh, when L.A. built their uh, mammoth facility out there that they would bring the combine there. Uh, so what are your thoughts on the combine leaving Indianapolis? Pete Slip for the well, it's a, it's a shame for y- y- yeah, it's a, it's a shame for the city. I mean, it's it's a wonderful thing for the city over the years. It 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 showed. I mean, there isn't an NFL executive that doesn't have a positive opinion of Indianapolis because of the NFL combine. And I'm talking about the city, not the Colts organization. I mean, the city itself has such a one. And I, I don't think you can underrate that when you're looking to hire a coach. Now, it just so happens the Colts have kind of gone in-house here for a while other than Chuck Pagano. But when you're looking Mm -hmm. to hire an assistant coach, it's not a hard sell. They know the city. That's not an issue. It's not like Green Bay where you're not really even in Green Bay. You're off to the west there. You know what I'm saying? So (laughs) it is a wonderful asset. It's a shame that it's going to go away. And I share your opinion. I don't think we'll ever see it here again. Um, But uh, it's too bad. Uh, yeah, I think it's going to hurt the city. Go ahead. No, I just, I just think it's just going to be an economic hit to the city, which hurt. I don't oh, wish yeah. on any city, but, you know, it it, it is what it is, and we'll, we'll see how that plays out. I know you're a race guy. I'm a race guy. Um, Steve, who usually handles our, our racing, is on down in Florida. So uh, we, we're kind of on a hiatus. The IndyCar's not running this this week anyway. But uh, Jack Ingram, a NASCAR champion, a member of the Hall of Fame, died. Uh, he, he was 84. Uh, you might know him as the Iron Man, uh, won championships in both NASCAR and late model uh, sportsman division, and, and is what is now the Xfinity Series, if you will. And um, so uh, are, are you familiar with Mark Ingram? And uh, between 1965 and 1981, uh, he, he made 19 starts in the NASCAR Cup Series, however, ran more than five races in one season. And never ran more than five races one season. He failed to qualify for a race at the Daytona in 1984, ending his Cup Series tenure tenure with ten four, uh, four top finishes. There, I'll get it out. <laughs> I don't have a great memory of him. I'm 40, so I was a kid when he was wrapping mm-hmm. up. I I mean, I remember the name from like the maybe maybe the late 80s. He was still kind of doing Daytona or something like that. Uh, but I remember always hearing about how great, I mean, he was one of those, um, you know, that, that could, he would do it both. I mean, he, he was like Kyle Bush. He would do both series mm-hmm. and he would do right. both. And that, and those days that was not really a thing in, in the eighties. I mean, it was before that it was a thing, 
And after that, it became a thing. But at that time, if you were a cup driver, you drove, of course, it was called Winston Cup then. You drove the yeah. Winston Cup, and that was it. And, or you drove the, then the Bush series, and that was it. But he did both, and, and, and that's, I, I obviously won a ton of races. I don't know a lot about him, though, and I, uh, I'm sorry to hear he's gone. Yeah, sad. As, as, you know, more and more you're going to see as the older we get. You know, I'm 52, oh, yeah. so the older we we get, and the more we'll see, we'll we'll see that 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 happen as well. Matthew Hicks, longtime radio guy, appreciate to, uh, you joining us as as well today. Uh, any final words of wisdom for us, sir? No, I, I think you know I, I I I'm not trying to be overzealous about this coaching hire for the Pacers, but I mean as this is one of those where it's like they got the nicest house they could find and they didn't worry about the money. And I think those are two very positive attributes to take away from this for the Pacers. They, they got, they got a great coach, a proven coach, NBA champion played in the league, by the way, as well, which I always think is a little important. Uh, he's going to build a great coaching staff. I don't know who that will be, but we'll find out in the next few weeks and months. But I think there's a, there's a reason for hope and optimism and that's exciting. We like that. I'm all, I'm all about hope and optimism, especially in 2021. Matt Hicks, we appreciate yeah. you joining us. Where can people find your work masterpieces, sir? <laughs> I am uh, occasionally on the Twitter machine at HicksM05. And as we say, a current free agent and I'll never, yeah. I'll never say never, but uh, never enjoying, say never. enjoying my weekends at home. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. All right, Matt, you have yourself a good weekend at, at home or whatever you're doing this weekend, sir. Hey, thanks, Ben. We'll talk soon. Sure. Matthew Hicks, a longtime radio guy here in Indianapolis, been around for a long, long time and been a good friend of this show for uh, many years. George, we were supposed to be joined by Tony Donahue. He may have got his clock mixed up a little bit because uh, a lot of times he joins us at 1030 as opposed to 10, but that's okay. We also got Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, right around the corner, right here on the Balance Radio Network. Maybe I'm blind, thinking I can see through this and see what's behind. Got no way to prove it, so maybe I'm lying. But I'm only human after all. I'm only human after all. Don't put your blame on me. Don't put your blame on me. Take a look in the mirror, and what do you see? Do you see it clearer, or are you deceived? What you believe Cause I'm only human after all And you're only human after all Don't put the blame on The Air National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? 
Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at GoANG.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. I can't believe it. I've been playing 4-on-4 with a barbershop quartet. Nah, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Yeah. Believe it. Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Morning face. You get it when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got mace. Ow, they're one my eyes. We're moving. It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA, love your home. Oh, hi. Uh, I've seen on the board, do you guys have Black Rifle coffee here? No, I'm sorry. We only carry good small batch coffee here. Well, it is great small batch coffee. Well, that really can't be unless it's fresh roasted, so, um, you know. Well, it is fresh roasted. I don't, I don't think you know what that means. You know what this is? This is Masa Le Pique, which, of course, in the Indonesian language, oh, let me finish. In the Indonesian language, it's weasel coffee. You just made that up. No, it's been passed through their digestive tract. That's disgusting. And then it's nature's wet processing. Yeah, but is it good? I mean, it's all right. Are they investor philanthropists? Do they support good causes? Yeah, tons of causes. Veterans causes and first responder causes. But it doesn't matter because they make good coffee. So that's what I'm wanting. Do you have any? You know what? Actually, I'm, I'm just going to order it. They make it fresh and roasted. Black Rifle Coffee. It's good. Thank you, Matthew Hicks, for joining us uh, in the first segment here to talk with us a little bit. Uh, Rick Carlisle making his way back to the Indiana Pacers, and certainly we had some conversations about the combine leaving Indianapolis. We're going to be talking with Ed Kratz here in just a moment about that very thing. Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles and our official NFL contributor, helps us keep our hand on the pulse uh, with the NFL. How's it going, sir? I, I know you've been enjoying some vacation time out of the Jersey Shores and stuff. How's, how's it been going, sir? Can you hear it, Ed? Hello, Ed. Yes, can you hear me now? 
I can hear you now. Oh, oh good. Ah. Deja vu. We literally had this. We literally had this exact same thing happen when Matt started. I was like, oh no. <laughs> but yeah, how was the how was the Jersey Shores and stuff there, sir? Oh, you know, uh, doing a little whitewater rafting. One of my favorite. Uh, oh yeah, that's right. Do. You did that. Yeah, I love doing that. Um, so you did a little of that. Um, yeah, been to New York City a little bit, watched my son run a half marathon. Uh, and, um, yeah, Jersey Shore's uh, coming up in a couple weeks, going down for a couple weeks, and uh, looking forward to that. So, yeah, just trying to enjoy some time before the NFL gears up in late July for these training camps that are supposed to start, and I, I'm assuming they will. Uh, the way the country's kind of getting back, you know, finding its footing again, hopefully it stays that way, and uh, things uh, proceed as normal at the end of July when, tra- when training camps open. Yeah, I hope so. You know, we were just talking about uh, the Pacers bringing back Rick Carlisle as the head coach, and certainly we remember him being an assistant to, to Larry Bird and been around, and then he was recently at Dallas and, and come to uh, here. But, so we've kind of been talking about the NBA, the NBA Finals, uh, Milwaukee Bucks, yeah. and the Atlanta Braves. What happened with the Philadelphia 76ers? I know they were on a roll there. So I, I, I wanted somebody else to mourn with, but, you know, we didn't even make it to the playoffs. But I, I know they had a good run, so I wanted to give you a chance to talk about your home team there, sir. Yeah, you, you must have baseball on your mind. You said the Atlanta Braves. It's the Atlanta Hawks, uh, of course. But uh... I said Atlanta Hawks. <laughs> I meant Atlanta but hey. Hawks. Milwaukee Bucks. There yeah. we go. I got it. Uh, well, the Braves used to play in Milwaukee at one time, weren't they? Weren't they the Milwaukee Braves baseball team also? I, I think I, you're I right. Think. See, so I was, I was right. Baseball's always on my yeah. mind, especially, especially now. And you know, my Cardinals doing somewhat well. Cubs are still being a pain in the arse, but that's another conversation for another day. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Seventy-six yeah, well. had a, a relatively good season this year. Uh, yeah, well, you know, they were the number one seed in the East. I mean, you know, the expectation was for them to at least, at minimum, get to the Eastern Conference Finals. And they couldn't even do that again. They came up short. And, you know, there's, of course, Ben Simmons is kind of the thorn in the side here in Philadelphia. He doesn't shoot the ball. He doesn't really do anything offensively. Uh, everybody talks about what a great defender and passer he is. But you need to do more, especially in the playoffs when, you know, it becomes more of a half-court offensive game. It's harder to get out and run. Defenses are, you know, clicked up a notch. And, uh, you know, without Ben Simmons, the Sixers were, event- you know, effectively going four on five on the offensive end of the floor. All Simmons would do is maybe take up the ball up court and then hand it off and go hide in the corner. He wouldn't do anything. I mean, it's very frustrating if you're a Sixers fan to watch Ben Simmons try to score points. He just can't do it. He doesn't shoot jumpers. Passed up a wide-open dunk to the ball. I don't know if you saw that against the Hawks. But, uh-huh. I did, uh, actually. It, it, yeah, I think I saw terrible, your tweet terrible. saying the same thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, but but listen, I like this Hawks team. I You know, I don't know if they'll get past the Bucks, but, you know, this Trey Young is really, really fun to watch. I mean, you don't know whether he's going to drive and shoot the ball or drive and lob it to the, for an alley-oop dunk or, you know, he's got range for days. He can shoot from anywhere. Uh, he's fun to watch, you know, and it's, you know, it's an exciting young team. And, you know, they got this interim coach, Nate McMillan, McMillan doing a good job. I imagine he'll get the, the full-time gig once this runs over. But uh, I saw the Bucks crush the Hawks last night. But, you know, the series is tied 1-1. And uh, I'm kind of rooting for the for the Hawks, if I have to say, just because even, even, even though they vanquished the Sixers, I, I, I like this team. I like Trey Young. 
Um, mm-hmm. You know, I like Giannis a little bit, but I, you know, this young, this Hawks young team really has me kind of juiced to see how, to see what they can do. Well, absolutely. So let's keep our eyes on it. Uh, Ed Kraft, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, SI.com, joins us. He helps us keep our, our hand on the pulse in the offseason. And, of course, he's our official NFL contributor. One of the news that came out this, and I'm going to be curious to see how this all plays out, uh, but the NFL announced a new policy allowing teams to wear their throwback alternate helmets. Uh, details are still emerging on that. But just when do you think the birds will be able to wear the Kelly Green as, as a home option? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I listen. I I know that fans are you know geeked up about uniforms and all this other stuff. But I'm I you know I've never owned a, a sports jersey in my life. You know, to me it's just win the game. What? You know, you, you, you could go out there and play in your you know your underwear and you know a t-shirt if you want. I don't care. Just go out and entertain me. I don't need to be well, they, impressed by the fashion end of it all. But I, I get it. I understand. It's a, you know people like to see you know the color schemes and this and that and. This Kelly Green that the Eagles have worn back in the 80s and uh, mm-hmm. early 90s is very, very popular in Philadelphia. Uh, and fans are just, you know, drooling to get this Kelly Green back. And for years the problem was is they didn't, they didn't have the helmet to match because they kind of changed the color a little bit more to a midnight green. So they couldn't just bring out these Kelly Green jerseys as a retro look, you know, the NFL went to years ago, and then not have the helmets match. My goodness, what would that, you know, what kind of fashion <laughs> crisis would that be? <laughs> so, uh, hey, you know, you were t- you know, now, you're, you're, yeah, now, I'm sorry, go ahead. You're fine. Go ahead, buddy. I, I was just going to say, now they, they passed the law that, you know, you can have a second helmet, you know, for years the NFL didn't want to go that route because they were very sensitive to the whole concussion issue. So they thought one helmet, you know, we don't want to mess with the head anymore, but now they've passed it where you can have the two helmets. You can have an alternate helmet, uh, which will be cool because I will say, I do like some of the helmet designs. I know that in Tampa, there's a lot of talk about that Tampa Bay, I guess the swashbuckling helmet that they used to have the swashbuckling sword on the sides of their helmets. And um, so now maybe in Philadelphia, you'll be able to get this, you know, you'll be able to get on the same fashion page and have your helmet match your jerseys. And geez, that, how exciting <laughs> is that? <laughs> you know, you were talking about, uh, you know, they can go out there and play in their underwear and T-shirts. Well, that brings us to our, our next topic here before we get to uh, what's going on in the NFL uh, per se. The combine, or as we call it here in Indianapolis, the underwear Olympics. Uh, <laughs> after being here for many, many, many years, and I know you've been here in Indianapolis, and you, you know the setup they've got here for the combine. It's a great setup. It's it's a it's it's an economic hit to the city as well. Uh, but we hate to see it go kind of understand we saw this happening for a while and you and I talked to, you know, offline that they might be looking at moving this to like the, the draft type of situation where they're moving around a lot. But I think it's been a long time rumor since the NFL built that mammoth facility out in LA that the combine would sooner or later end up there. What are your thoughts on the combine leaving Indianapolis? Should it happen? Should it not happen? Or do you have any thoughts at all on that? Yeah, well, you know, I was kind of sad when they moved the draft out of New York, Radio City Music Hall, you know, mm-hmm. and they did that, and they decided to rotate it to different cities, and it, you know, in the cities that it's been in, it's been kind of a cool, really cool thing, you know, it really kind of injected even more life into the draft, in my opinion, seeing the sights of other cities and letting other fans experience it in other NFL cities. You know, the draft and the combine are very different, though. I don't, I'm not sure how much people get yeah, amped exactly. up about the combine as they do the draft, but uh, I guess that's kind of 
going to be the NFL's goal now is to kind of sell the combine as a, a must-see event. Uh, and maybe they begin selling tickets in some form to let uh, people come in and, and watch these underwear Olympics, as you call it, watch these guys run around in their, <laughs> in their, in their underwear and uh, put on a show. But to me, it's, it's you know, it's, I don't want to say boring, but it kind of all becomes the same after a while. But, you know, there's, if there's a market for it, the NFL is going to sell it. And I, I hate oh, yeah. to see it moved out of Indianapolis, uh, just as I hated to see the draft go out of New York City, because I think it's a great setup in Indy. And, uh, you know, I like the city. I enjoy coming there. Uh, but I guess that over time, you know, if the NFL does this right, I guess it will be enjoyable maybe. Maybe they'll start to – uh, pump it a little bit more, make some more events more kind of fan-friendly to watch some of these drills, uh, and I guess give fans in other cities a chance to experience, you know, some kind of NFL event. And you mentioned L.A., and I guess that, you know, they opened it up to the bidding process so any city can bid, but there are very few, in my opinion, cities that are kind of equipped to handle it. You need an indoor facility or you have to be in a warm-weather city because you can't do these drills outdoors. So, you know, L.A., obviously, with their new facility, looks good. Minnesota, I think, even though it's a cold-weather city, has the kind of setup where you can host it. Uh, Houston, I think, has some nice facilities. Dallas uh, just renovated its facilities and built something new down there, and I, I think that was kind of with the having this combine, you know, come to their city. So, uh, you know, there are some cities that are equipped to handle it, and now you might see some other cities try and look at their facilities a little bit if it means bringing the combine in, giving that, giving the city a little, uh, you know, shot of tourism money and help the economy and uh, give their fans something to watch. I, so, you know, short-term pain, I guess, for the long-term gain, maybe it'll be a good thing. I don't know. I just I hate to see it move from Indianapolis, but it might be a good a good thing in the long run. Oh, no, I, I absolutely agree. Um, don't you hate it, like, when you've got uh, th- different things going on, a different screen, and all of a sudden something starts happening in your ears, like, that shouldn't be happening, and you're trying to find the sound, and it's one of those stupid pop-up videos, stupid pop-up yeah, commercials? Yeah, I hear you. I'm yeah, gonna, well, let, let me ask you. You know, and all this woke movement of everything cancel. Uh, culture, can we cancel pop-up ads? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, obviously, you need a little more practice multitasking, Tom. I mean, maybe I this afternoon you should get a get a stick of gum and start chewing it and see if you can walk while you chew the gum. I mean, you know, that's, it's going to be a difficult <laughs> a difficult task. So let's talk a little bit about the Eagles. Obviously, get a training camp coming up. You know, one of the fan favorites, I think, and I, I mean, the guy is just kind of a stud, and that's Brian Scott. Brian Scott. I know Brian Scott, Boston Scott. Well, that brings me to another question. Why does he have a name, his name, Boston? I don't know, but neither here. Boston Scott, obviously a fan favorite among uh, the Philly faithful, and I mean, I think he's just a, a stud. What do we know about him? What's he, what do we can we look for him in 2021? Is is he still going to be the dynamic uh, player that we've seen in recent years? Yeah, Boston. Well, you know, you got Dallas Goddard. You know, he's named after Dallas. His dad was a big Dallas <laughs> Cowboys fan, and that's why I named him Dallas. Maybe you know, Boston Scott's from Louisiana, but maybe his dad was a big <laughs> fan of I don't know the Boston Bruins or you know. Good question to ask him if I ever get a chance to see him in the locker room again. But, uh, yeah, I like Boston uh-huh. Scott. The Eagles have a lot of competition at running back. And, 
you know, one of the things in Philly now is, you know, this interesting dynamic between Indianapolis and Philadelphia because the coaching staff is basically mm-hmm. from, from Indianapolis and Frank Reich's staff. Everybody likes to compare, sure. you know, what Nick Sirianni and, you know, Jonathan Gannon did during their time in Indianapolis. And if we can see some of that trans, you know, transfer to Philadelphia. Uh, so everybody's like, oh, he can be the Naheem. He can play the Naheem Hines role or, you know, he'll be the Jonathan Taylor of the offense. You know, they're, they're comparing uh, Eagles running backs to what, you know, the Colts running backs are. Uh, but Boston mm-hmm. Scott is the kind of guy that gives you some experience, uh, can catch the ball out of the backfield. He can uh, run the ball hard. Uh, you know, I would assume there's going to be a job for him in Philadelphia. I know that's a very crowded running back room. They brought on Johnson in from the Lions, mm-hmm. and, uh, brought back Jordan Howard from Miami after they released him. Uh, they drafted a kid from Memphis, Kenny Gainwell, in the fifth round. That You know, seems like maybe he's the – kind of the Boston Scott role where he can catch the ball and he can run the ball. Uh, you know, Miles Sanders struggled catching the ball last year, but uh, I, I would think right now Boston Scott's probably, you know, the number two running back on the depth chart behind Miles Sanders, but whether he stays there after training camp starts and the pads come on, you know, we're going to have to see, uh, you know, but I really like Boston Scott as a person, uh, you know, he's a former high school state powerlifting state champion, uh, strong as, as they come. I mean, this kid is you know, not real tall, but, man, is he strong. You know, he can squat, you know, five five of you, Tom, mm-hmm. I would think. Uh, <laughs> that might not be a sight you want to see. <laughs> no, right. <laughs> well, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, maybe the NFL will sell tickets to that. Who knows? Yeah, who knows? Uh, if, they, yeah, if they could find a way to, to do it, they would do it. Absolutely. Yeah, but I like Boston Scott. I mean, off off the field as well as on the field, but it's going to be interesting to see how that running back room shape, shapes up in Philadelphia. No, I, uh, you I know, totally agree. Things begin. Yeah. I, I totally agree. I hope he does earn a spot there. But on the other flip side of it, it's, there's, you, you got to look at your wide receivers. And JJAW, uh, because it's JJ Argonaut Whiteside, so everybody calls him JJAW. Uh, you know, new head coach, new offensive coordinator. Uh, you, you've, you've got Devontae Smith in town now and Travis Faultman uh, likely ahead of him. I think the days of uh, JJAW in an Eagles uniform is probably coming to an end. What are your thoughts? Yeah, J-Jaw is what we call him. J-Jaw, okay. Yeah. <laughs> J-Jaw. Yeah, J-Jaw. <laughs> J-Jaw. Yeah, I think so. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's, he, you know, listen, this new staff from Indianapolis, Sirianni, who I, who I really like, I got to tell you. Mm-hmm. I know he, yeah, kind of got absolutely. off to a, a, a very, you know, horrible opening press conference. But, boy, he's really uh, in some press conferences since I think he's done well. And I've seen some practices where, you know, the, he really has the player's attention, as it should be. I mean, he's the head coach. But, uh, you know, he really he has a good presence, I would say, when he's talking to the team. And I've seen that at mm-hmm. some of the practices. And uh, But the this staff is not beholden to anyone. I mean, they except maybe the, the the nine guys they took in the draft. I mean, all the players that were here before them uh, have to prove that they can play in this scheme. And Jay Jaw uh, really showed he couldn't play in Doug Peterson's scheme. He didn't have a whole lot of success. And he was a guy taken in the second round uh, just a couple of years ago ahead of D.K. Uh, Metcalf in Seattle, who, you know, mm-hmm. Pro Bowl player, Terrific receiver, and I know other teams made mistakes on him, but 
uh, not taking him. But, uh, you know, Jajal came before him, hasn't done much. Uh, the Eagles have really up, tried to upgrade that room with picking Jalen Rager last year in the first round and Devontae Smith this year. And Travis Fulgham had a great five-game stretch last year where he had, you know, four or five touchdowns and 400-plus yards in those four ga- or five games and really thought that he was going to be a key piece. And then for some reason – uh, Alshon Jeffrey returned and he got parked on the bench and um, but he right now looks like maybe the fourth receiver or the third receiver because they still have Greg Ward in the slot who is their oldest receiver at 25 years old he'll be 26 soon so it's a young room it's a room that has a chance to kind of show what it can do in this new coaching staff but you know Smith and Rager are, have jobs locked up uh, and I think it's just going to be tough for J. Joel unless he comes back in camp and really uh, shows that he can be a piece in this offense. He may be out of time here in Philadelphia. I, I was all on board with him last year. I saw him in camp a little bit, and I thought, you know what, my prediction is he's going to have a breakout year, and then he proved me wrong. So this year I'm going the other way. I think he's done. I think he's out of chances, and he won't be part of the team. I'm I'm going to, to the complete extreme on Jay Jaw after last year. He <laughs> showed me up and made me look bad. So no, <laughs> no uh, yeah, worries. He's another one. Nice, nice kid off the field. You root for this kind of kid. You know, you talk to him and uh, very earnest and enthusiastic. But you know, listen. Eventually, you're going to have to learn how to play the game too. Uh, you just can't be this good guy off the field if you want to have a job in the NFL. You have to do it on the field. Well, absolutely, and proof, proof's in the pudding, but proof is also in the field. Let's kind of walk around the league here real quickly while we've got a few more moments here. Uh, story came out this week. Uh, the Vikings star court, uh, quarterback, uh, Patrick Peterson, encourages all players to get a COVID-19 vaccine shot. So, you know, I agree. You know, I've got the double V. That's my new word now. Double B, the double vaccination. Why <laughs> <Like laughs> too old to be saying that? I don't know. Uh, but I, I heard some colleagues at work say it this week, so I'm like, hey, I'm – I'm not of the young crowd, but I can say it. Uh, but but you know, but here's yeah. the other other part of that. It's important that players get vaccinated because if they don't, as we know, the NFL's laid down the protocol that's going to be in place. There's going to be stricter protocols for them, so there's going to be things that could interfere with their ability to get playing time on the field. I think everybody needs to get vaccinated across the board. One thing I don't necessarily agree with. But, you know, each to his own. The Saints, though, won't request proof of vaccination to attend games and, and hope not to require masks. Uh, the Colts say that at the moment they are going to re- require proof of vaccination. I don't know what the Eagles are going to be doing. But at the end of the day, I think, you know, we just need to get this behind us. And an important step in doing that is everybody just gets their vaccination. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I agree. Um, you know, there's I think there's enough uh, evidence now that exists that says that, no, it's not going to be harmful to your health, at least in the short term. Uh, you know, maybe in five years we'll all, you know, grow a third head or a second head, I should say. But, you know, <laughs> I, 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 yeah, but, you know I'm just saying that I think in the short term, I think it's proven that it's not going to be detrimental to your to your health. Uh, you know, we've been getting vaccinated since, you know, February or, you know, even before that. Um, so, uh, you know, I got my second dose of the, the double V. Listen, you can use that. Just don't try to wrap it. You know, don't put it in any. Yeah, no, 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 no. 
No. That would have turned out well. Yeah. But, yeah, I think so, I think, it's, I think I, not to make light of it, but I do agree with you, Tom. I think that absolutely yeah. players should get vaccinated. It's kind of like when people didn't really want to wear masks, but they were doing it because they didn't want to make others sick or, you know, they wanted to protect themselves as well. I think it's the same with the vaccine. You, you know, take it so you don't make others on your team and throughout the league sick if you were to contract it. Absolutely. Um you know him from the Washington team. I almost said the Redskins still. Uh, they were the Washington yeah. team. Morgan Moses, though, he, get, he heads to the Jets for one year for $3.6 million. What are your thoughts on that? What you're doing? I like, you know, and then Joe Douglas is the GM, came from Philadelphia. I like Joe, guy, uh, you know, an organization that's really been downtrodden for so long. But they made some nice offseason moves. And, you know, drafting the new quarterback, and, and, and you know, they seem like they're rebuilding that line. Uh, the Morgan Moses edition will help Mackay Becton. And, uh, you know, they drafted the kid from USC, whose name escapes me uh, at this point. But they've done a good job, I think, with the line. And Morgan Moses gives them another piece. Uh, I was surprised Washington let him go, uh, given the state of their offensive line. It's not the best. I know they have Brandon Scherf, you know, one of the best guards in the league behind the guy in, in, uh, in Dallas and, of course, Quentin Nelson in Indianapolis. But, Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm surprised Washington let him go, and I think it's a good move for the Jets. I, I like that they solidified their line a little bit more with uh, the Moses signing. Absolutely. Well, my time to call BS moment. Urban Meyer says he is not ready to name Trevor Lawrence as the Jaguars' starting quarterback just yet. <laughs> what are your thoughts? Uh, I think he's just trying to take some, maybe some of the pressure off of Trevor Lawrence. You know, maybe he saw him in OTAs. Maybe try to do a little bit more than he wanted to you know, trying to force things. And that's the problem you have with rookie quarterbacks is maybe they try to do too much. Any rookie, really, they try to do a little too much. Uh, you know, the number one overall pick, a lot of pressure on him. So maybe Urban's just trying to take some of the some of the pressure off of him. It's good they have Garden Minshew there. Uh, I guess it is. I don't know. But, you know, he's a guy that's played in some <laughs> games that can kind of be the safety net if they need it. But, yeah, Trevor Lawrence will start day one whenever they open the season. And, I don't know who that's against, but, you know, I think he'll develop and he'll be just fine, Trevor Lawrence, as, as their starter. And that's got to concern the Colts, right? I mean, you know, you're going to have oh, to angle yeah. with them. Heck yeah. A couple, hey, we're, yeah, a couple we're all in on, on, on Carson. We're all in on Carson Wentz. He's going to be having a baby and everything's for we're all in. We're ready to go with Carson Wentz. Let's go. Let's bring it on. Bring on the redhead. Let's go. Uh, <laughs> the Wentz wagon, baby. The Wentz wagon. I like it. And the oh, Wentz wagon has arrived in Indianapolis. That's for sure. Yes, um, so, uh, We've been talking with Ed Kraft, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, SI.com, and our official NFL contributor. We've kind of made our rounds around the city of brotherly love today, so why not end it with the final note with the Phillies? Congratulations to Aaron Nola, who ties Tom Seaver with 10 consecutive strikeouts. Yeah, and he was one strike strike away with Tom Se- uh one strike away with Pete Alonzo uh, to breaking that uh-huh. record. Uh, you know, we had a one-two count, and then Alonzo sliced one down the line for a double. Otherwise, he's the record setter. Uh, but what a great accomplishment. I was thinking about that this morning. I mean, 10 straight strikeouts encompasses over three innings of strikeouts in a row. I mean, that's really. Yeah, that's a feat in 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 MLB. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, Very hard to do. The only one to do it was Tom Seaver 50 years ago or whenever it was. I don't know if it's 50 years ago, but I mean, it was a long time. Tom Seaver was about 50 years ago, right? Yeah. And, and, you know, he was one of my favorites. I love Tom Seaver. Uh, you know, I saw Tom Seaver win his 300th game when he pitched for the White Sox in Yankee Stadium back in 1984 or 5 or 6. I'm not sure which year, but mm-hmm. I was there. I was in the right field seats. And, I, 
you know, I love Tom Seaver. So, yeah, what Aaron Mullen did was terrific, man. That was a great accomplishment. It's a shame the Phillies couldn't win the game for him, but that's just, you know, the Phillies are these days. They're not real good. So Absolutely. Um, well, <laughs> we've, been, we've been joined by Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, check out his work. Uh, Ed, oh, I follow you. I'm trying to make sure that I get your stuff up on all of our social media. But where can people find your work in Masterpieces, sir? Yeah, and I really appreciate that, Tom. I know you share a lot of my stuff on, on Facebook sure. accounts, and thank you for that. Um, yeah, they, uh, you can hit me on Twitter, at Kratzee, K-R-A-C-Z-E, and, you know, I put all my links there. And, uh, you know, it's not as plentiful right now, but it's kind of a, you know, a bit of a slow period. Uh, but there's some still some shoes to drop in Philly. You wonder what's going to happen with Zach Ertz. Uh, you know, they mm-hmm. need a second cornerback. Uh, so there's still things to monitor here in Philly, but, Listen, I'm trying to enjoy my uh, next few weeks here before, you know, you hit the there ground running again. And I'm not running too fast these days. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> trying, I get it. Trying to recharge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate you taking some time and your time off to join us today, sir. I hope you have a great weekend and, and get some nice weather. It's supposed to be nice here in Indianapolis, but hopefully it's, it's nice there in Philly as well. Thanks, Tom. I, I will. You do the same, my friend. All right, buddy. Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, longtime uh, friend of the show. He's been around with us for many, many years, and he always uh, gets us up to speed on the NFL, and he's our go-to person, everything NFL. Thank you, Matthew Hicks, uh, for joining us. Uh, Matt's been around Indianapolis radio for a while, uh, been a friend of the show for a long time. We were supposed to be joined by, by one of our regulars, Tony Donahue, from the Tony D Podcast. Uh, perhaps he got sick or called into work. No, no but we'll certainly uh, make sure you follow him on Tony Donahue Podcast at Tony D Indy as well. My name is Tom Marquis, El Presidente. Thanks for listening to us on the podcast. If you are, just make sure you hit subscribe and like uh, in, on whatever platform you're listening to us on and make sure you follow us on twitter at t balance and on facebook uh the balance my name is tom marquis el presidente have a great weekend i'm out of here deuces don't drink and drive it ain't cool Join us next week for The Balance. In the meantime, check us out on Twitter, T-Balance, or Facebook, The Balance, or online at www.thebalanceonline.com.